This is an episode that will only come out once every four years. The February 29th episode. Uh, yeah, so we had some stuff happening this week. Scott Boris clients are finally signing, I think. One of them, at least. Uh, Cody Bellinger goes back to the Cubs for three years, $80 million with opt outs after each year that if he doesn't opt out, then he gets a bonus. I think no bonus. Well, I no thought bonus. I saw something that he's getting 27 and a half. If he doesn't opt out, it goes to 30. And then the no. next year it goes to 35. You heard all wrong information. So year one, it's 30 million. Year two, it's 30 million. Year three, it's 20 million. With opt-outs after each of the years. Um, what did I see? The wrong thing, clearly. Well, clearly. Yeah. I'm glad you're here to set me straight. Yeah, so the Cubs offseason kind of felt a little incomplete. We were kind of waiting for this shoe to drop because they hadn't made a whole lot of other moves. And obviously Bellinger, at the beginning of this offseason, was not looking to sign a three-year, $80 million deal. He was looking for probably a six- or seven-year deal close to $200 million and the Cubs kind of waited them out and, and they're essentially with the opt-outs as part of the contract. It's almost like they are doing the exact same thing that they did this past year where they gave him the one-year deal. This is essentially a one-year deal with the major raise that he's making 30 million in the year. If he has a great year, there's no question about it. He's going to opt out because all he's got to do is beat two years and 50 million on the on the open market which seems pretty easy for a 28 year old coming off a an amazing year um if things go poorly then the cubs i guess get stuck with another year of bellinger at at 30 million but like that seems like a extremely low risk that the cubs are actually taking there because they're not saddled with the guy that has had such inconsistent performance for like a seven or eight year deal or whatever. So I think yeah, I like, mean, if you're stuck with him for two years, that's it's a lot of money. But this but is a club that yeah. I was. Yeah, is this is a club that can handle that. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. It, they're going to put the best. The best lineup on the field that they can. And if there's 25 mil AAV for two years, that is only worth like 10 to 15 so be it yeah i mean the player bellinger himself why did he have to settle for this deal it's it's absolutely because he no one knew what they were getting with this guy because he's been the worst player in baseball in 21 and 22 then he rebounded in a big way last year uh where he hit over 300 hit 26 home runs i mean it was a great season and he showed some interesting improvements in his two strike approach where um, he basically was impossible to strike out when he got to two strikes, which was bizarre after striking out so much in the, in the prior years. And he was literally this- impossible to strike out before he got to two strikes. <laughs> yeah, no, but the, the interesting tidbit that I saw was that he was the best um he had like the best batting average with two strikes after Luis Arias in the entire league. So shows the massive change that he made to his approach. The one thing that he kind of sacrificed was 
his um his hard hit numbers like they were bottom tier they were like 20th percentile and average exit velocity and he clearly made that trade off and it paid off in a big way this past year but just like long term I don't know if that's something that you can bank on him doing year after year is like being really good with two strikes. People are generally aren't that good with two strikes and um, being able to keep it up without premium uh, batted ball quality. But I don't know, like no. the other part of it is um, really good defense and really good base running. He He's going to be a playable player no matter what he does. He He's good enough that it doesn't matter if, if he if it's hitting – drops down a little bit. Yeah, so he had more home runs last year than he's had in any year since his 2019 juice ball season of 47 homers. Uh, In fact, other than the juice ball season, he hadn't hit 26 since his rookie season in 2017. So even sacrificing some of that, that hard hit, like he was still able to do damage Absolutely. And strike out a lot less. And so I would much rather have that Cody Bellinger long term than the Cody Bellinger that we saw in 21, 22, and even 2020 in that shortened season. He was not good. Like it it, honestly, 2020 is where it all fell off the wagon for him. I wonder if that season just really got in his head and that's what caused all this stuff. But anyway, we're well well past that. that now. No, it's that plus doing this with Kike Hernandez in the NLCS that like destroyed his shoulder. Yeah, that's true. I that's forgot about that. Really going bad for him. But, but yeah, but he put up a stellar season last year. Um, four war, 26 homers, 307 average. Clearly, he's had that talent the whole time. I mean, that's what he was doing back in 2019. Like, we knew he could do it. It was just one of those that we don't know year to year what we're getting with him. And so the six-year, 200 million ask that Scott Boris had said publicly early in the offseason, I did not think he was going to get it. Turns out I was right, and I think so was everyone else, because I don't don't think I was the only one to have that thought. I Um, definitely thought he was going to get it, because usually Boris gets what he wants. So that's the other interesting part, is that usually Boris clients don't settle for contracts and this feels like he kind of did. I I think that's an, a longer topic in general with Scott Boris. I don't think clubs are bowing down to him anymore. Yeah. Like Snell and Monty are still out there. Those guys should a hundred percent be on teams already. They're really good pitchers, but teams are not willing to meet the asking price because they don't think they're worth it. So We'll we'll see. But. Yeah, I. I like that move for the Cubs a lot. I mean, I'm surprised that no one else was willing to do that same thing. Maybe teams were, but if he did it, he wanted to do it back in Chicago because that's where he had success. Yeah. And he's comfortable there. Helped them. So uh, he knows the hitting coach and it helped him. So makes sense if he's comfortable there. Why not sign back? Yeah. Uh, next up, Mitch Keller. The Pittsburgh Pirates actually shelled out a contract to a goodish young player. Mitch Keller got five years, $77 million extension. He is, I think, 
undisputably the ace of the Pirates, right? Absolutely. Absolutely the ace. He uh, started out the season last year phenomenally. I think the second half was maybe not quite as good, if I remember right. It was pretty rough, yeah. Yeah, I'm pulling up his splits now, but... um, There we go. Uh, yeah, so in the first half last year, 117 innings pitched, a 331 ERA. Second half, 77 innings pitched, a 559 ERA. So Mitch Keller showed the talent that he's had this entire time and that we were hoping he would be able to reach and unlock in the first half. After that, I don't know if it was arm fatigue or if his mechanics were falling off or what, but they clearly f- see that 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 talent is there. He could do what he was expected to do the first couple of years in the majors. And so they're out here and now bringing up the rest of their prospects that we're actually going to talk about in the NL Central preview on Monday. Uh, they're looking to him to kind of be the beginning of that core um, and be around for a while, lead that rotation ahead of what they're expecting to be Paul Skeens and Quinn Priester and fill in some spots here, here in the next couple of years. But right now they're paying him for his success of last year and he's got a significant pay raise because uh, he was still arb eligible for a couple of years, I think. Definitely. Yeah. He definitely would have had a couple more years before free agency, but he gets the guaranteed money. And I think if you even look at like a granular game, game by game, it was basically he had five really terrible starts in the second half. It wasn't even like all of the, the second half. He just had these like five bad starts and they were really bad. They were like five or seven runs in each of those starts. If you take those out, obviously you can't do that for the, the season long stats, but they'd look a lot better. And I think with another year under his belt, I think Mitch Keller can put together like a full wire to wire uh good season i don't think he's a true ace but i think he's like pretty good so actually what i'm seeing is that they when he got into trouble they did not pull him they they absolutely said you're going five no matter what you're eating innings because yeah he had five games giving up eight runs a game giving up seven and a game giving up six they're all after uh july 18th He actually had two of them back to back in eight run and a six run back to back that they made him go six and made him go five. Like, I feel like at that point, that's on the manager to pull you. Like, that's not even like him. Like if his mechanics were off or something or he was tipping a pitch and they just left him out there to eat it. Like, you can't blame all of that on him. Yeah, definitely. That's another part of it. They were letting him go deep into these games when usually almost every other pitcher in the league is getting pulled in those same scenarios. Yeah. So maybe they're paying him all this guaranteed money is like, and I'm sorry. I don't think Bob Nutting does that, but uh, he has also now extended three core players of this team. So got to give him credit for that. They are all like, well, no, I think they're fair. They're fair deals, right? Key Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, and now Mitch Keller are all signed for the long, long term. 
What was Brian Reynolds' deal? I don't remember it. It was like $106 million for seven or eight years. Uh, Eight-year, 106.75. Right? With a club option. Completely forgot about that one. But yeah, so it, it's kind of nice to see them actually paying their good players something. But um, hopefully he could take some more steps forward this year and turn out to be the uh, uh, Garrett Cole or the um, was it Jameson Tyone, the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also stay in Pittsburgh. I think that's the key there is he needs yeah. to do it in Pittsburgh. Whereas no, those I, guys got yeah, good after that. Also Tyler Glasnow. Uh, Glasnow, that's the one I was trying to think. Yeah. But yeah, no. I was gonna it's say, like, it was someone better than Tyone. I knew it. But. Yeah. They have to do this because the Pirates, as they currently do business, will never go out and sign a big free agent. So they have to sign their own players to extensions as the only way to keep them. And I'm glad they're doing it with, with the legitimately – Solid player of their team. They they kept them. Yeah. Uh, so spring training games have finally started, and it's really nice seeing all of these like lineup cards come across my phone. It's just it reminds me that you know good things are coming. Uh, but the question is, do we actually care about spring training? Like as far as like it. We're seeing guys throw pitches they haven't thrown before. We're seeing guys that are seemingly dominating. Does that mean anything? I, generally, yeah. I would say no. But at the same time, maybe. Like, it's the first time we got to see uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto today. And the dude was disgusting. He threw 19 pitches, 15 of them for strikes, uh, three strikeouts, Two innings pitched. His uh, his splitter was nasty. It, it was oh, it was beautiful. So like, yeah, I kind of care about spring training because I got to see that for the yeah. first time. Shohei but also his first game. I mean, that's it was just fun to have baseball back. But it's it's a it's a big question and it doesn't have a simple answer. But I think. A lot of stuff in spring training matters. It matters that people are throwing new pitches. People are throwing harder than before. People are healthy or people are unhealthy. Those things all matter. But like from a results perspective, like the games clearly don't matter. And and even the stats don't matter, in my opinion. Like it doesn't matter if someone, you know, strikes out everybody in spring training. It doesn't it doesn't mean that they're gonna necessarily go have an amazing season that year as much as people like to believe that. I think it's easy to draw conclusions off the the small samples of spring and they're not conditions that represent like what regular season baseball is. So don't read into the stats. Yeah, I, well, I mean, last year the Cardinals won the grapefruit league and we're fifth in the division. <laughs> so the curse of the grapefruit league victor. Um, but yeah, but like, it's, it's interesting to me because like you see some of these young guys that come up and they like hit really well in spring and that can make or break a roster spot for somebody. But we also don't care about the results, but if the results aren't there for some of these guys in spring, they're not going to make the team. 
No, that's a so great point. And I, but I think we're going away from that. I think we're getting to the point where the performance in spring is not mattering as much for making those roster decisions because there's so much other data available to the teams. They know like how the the player, they know all the, like the granular data from the minor leagues from the past year, or even the, the biometric stuff that they've got on the players in spring training, yeah, but, not necessarily like result based. But at the same time, like even if you're looking at guys who played in the Arizona fall league or played in some of these winter leagues and stuff, like they've now had a couple months to sit. So like, Yes, they have these results in the minors and they have all the ability, but like spring kind of gives you the idea on if they're back in the swing of it yet or if you need to start them in the minors just to get their groove going and then bring them up. So it's like it it still matters to a point, even though there's a whole bunch of other things that go into that decision. I mean, putting your number one prospect on the opening day roster kind of seems like a no brainer if they're close to ready because uh, that can potentially get you a uh, draft pick down the line. But with some of these other guys, like, uh, like a Victor Scott, for example, like he, if he wants any shot of making the, the Cardinals major league roster, he's got to have an amazing spring with the bat showing that he still has the contact. He can maybe get a little bit of pop and that his defense is there. And then maybe he'll get the fourth roster spot. I don't think they're going to do that because like they're going to want him to be playing. So they're not going to put him in the fourth roster spot. But the point still stands like they saw what he did last year. And he was really good in in the fall league in the end of the year. But it spring still matters for those situations. Well, yeah, it does. But I'm thinking of the, the Jordan Walker situation last year. He had an insane start to spring training, right? Like two weeks of being like the best player in all major league baseball and minor leagues or every on minor leagues, major leagues, all spring training. He had like the best numbers of anyone. And then everyone was like, Oh yeah, he's a shoe in to make the team, which he did out of spring training. But people totally forgot about the bad two weeks that he had at the end of spring training. And then he didn't last long on the roster to the point where he's demoted. So it's like, that decision was made based off the stats. Maybe he wasn't ready. You know, it was like, a. I mean, uh, I think his situation was a little bit different. Cause like, I mean, he started the year, he wasn't getting the power, but the contact was there. Like he had a 12 game hit streak to start his career. Like that's not something you just luck into necessarily. Like there's clearly talent there and you're, you're clearly succeeding in some aspects, but he wasn't elevating the ball. So they sent him back down to start trying to elevate the ball again. Like, I don't know that it was necessarily he wasn't ready. I think it's that he changed his approach, trying to do some, do too much too early. And they sent him back down to be like, dude, just be you. Go rake for a little bit here, and then we'll bring you back up. And that's what they did. And that's yeah, what that's he called, did. That's then, called not being ready, right? I so, Yes and no. Like, I think you could be ready. And then be overwhelmed by the moment to the point where you change something and you just need a reset. Like, I, it's hard to explain. I, I think you can be ready and then change after you got up. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. There's there's a lot of nuance yeah, to it's each like, situation. It was just one that I was thinking of. Um, 
I just, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure that the teams care as much in general, but I, I do think that, yes, the performance does matter for some of those, like, fringe roster spots especially. So what about Cole Reagans with five strikeouts? Hitting yeah. 101. Do we That's care about awesome that? See, right? That's crazy. Like, it's like February still, and the guy's throwing 101. Like, where's the ramp-up period? Is this guy I was going to say the, the velocity is the part that I think is the key there. Yeah. yeah. But. And we're talking so about is Hunter... had Tommy John surgery and uh, Tommy John revision. Like, I'm scared. Has, has Hunter Green hit 102 on a splitter? <laughs> that, that for a second uh, spring start. Oh, okay. Cool. But yeah, it's it's exciting. We're we're getting to see some uh some ball get played and I, the thing that bothers me is Major League Baseball said that every game would be available on MLB TV and they made it sound like that was going to be video feed, which is not the case in the slightest. Uh cuz there's been like only two Cardinals games that have been televised so far but they they said you can watch every game so that it made you think that you were going to be able to actually watch it so i know a lot of people are ticked about that but so it's fun to hear the radio talk about how some of these plays so how are the cubs doing in spring have you guys been hitting homers yet because the cardinals forgot that home runs were a part of the game and have not hit one yet to be honest, I have zero clue. I know Christopher Morell hit one in the first game that they played, but I don't really know what's going on. Maybe it's time to check because those stats matter, Gautham. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Well, you got anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so. Cool. Well, then that is all that we have for you guys for this week in baseball. Make sure to check out the NL Central Division Preview next Monday. If you haven't already seen the American League Central Division Preview, that came out this past Monday. Uh, So go check that out, and we will see you guys back here next week. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Getaway Day Pod. If you enjoy card collecting, check out our sister YouTube channel at Getaway Day Cards. <laughs>